0: the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, and Habakkuk in chapter number two. Now remember, if you're looking for Habakkuk, it's in the minor prophets section, and so you find the gospel record of Matthew and turn the other direction, and you will find the book of Habakkuk soon afterwards. You go to the book of Habakkuk, you come to the book of Haggai, then you come to the book of Zechariah, then you go to Haggai, Zephaniah, And you come to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk in chapter number 2. Now remember that in this minor prophet book, we could see that this is a conversation between the prophet and his God. And as the prophet has gone to the Lord and said, you see our country, you see how it's falling apart. You could see more than ever, Lord, that, that we need you. What's going on? Do you hear us? Do you see what's going on? That he was surprised when God answered him. And he said I'm going to do work a work in your days. that if I told you. You wouldn't believe it. He says alright I'm listening. He says I'm going to destroy your nation. I'm going to send the Babylonians to come. Destroy your nation. Wipe out your temple. And that's how I'm going to solve your problem. And Habakkuk says what? How is that going to work out? And God says I told you you wouldn't believe me. And. Habakkuk says, but they're worse than us. And God says, I know they're worse than you. And now in Habakkuk chapter 2, God is describing how the Babylonians are worse than the people. But he's also saying, I'm using them as a chastening rod. But let me tell you what I'm going to do in that chastening rod after you're done with your whooping. I'm going to break the rod. And he says, I'm going to give you the reasons why the Babylonians are going to be judged. And in here, we could see the woes. Remember, the word woe in the Bible days carries the idea of cursed, or it carries also the idea of the reason why God is going to judge them, why they are cursed, why they're. And God gives them five reasons. And we've been walking through these reasons one by one. And now we come to the fifth and final reason why God is going to destroy this chastening rod, why God is going to bring destruction on the Babylonians after he has done using the Babylonians to work on God's people to bring them to himself. Notice if you don't mind as we come to the book of Habakkuk chapter number 2. The book of Habakkuk in chapter number 2 and notice with me in starting at verse number 17. Habakkuk chapter 2 and notice with me in verse 17. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover thee, and the spoil of beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. What profiteth, does the, great, uh, what profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it? The molten image, and a teacher of lies, that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols woe unto him that saith to the wood awake to the dumb stone arise and it shall teach behold it is laid over with gold and silver and there is no breath at all in the midst of it but the lord is in his holy temple let all the earth keep silence before him and if you're in the habit of marking things in your bible will you mark A phrase that we find in the book of Habakkuk chapter number 2. The book of Habakkuk chapter number 2. And notice with me in verse 19 where he says here. (coughs) Woe to him that saith to the wood arise and to the dumb stone arise. And with this as we can see that they were calling upon the stone to speak to them. They were calling upon the (coughs) uh, wood to teach them. That we could see here this title that we're going to give here. Calling on gods that cannot answer. Calling on gods that cannot answer. And as we go through here we could see this fifth woe. Why is God going to destroy the Babylonians? Because they're calling on gods that cannot answer. They're calling on gods that they made with hands. They're calling on gods that cannot breathe. Calling on gods that cannot teach. They're putting their trust, their dependence, their destiny. They're putting everything they have on these gods that cannot do anything for them. A couple of years ago, American Airlines had uh, a magazine inside of their... Um, their planes where you could read and peruse through it while you're getting ready to take off and it have different articles. And in one of these articles in the American Airlines magazine was talking about the success of people. And they said today people are learning how powerful objects are. For example in this article it said here was a man who decided he was going to turn his desk from facing the wall to facing the door and within five months He got a promotion. He says in that article, it says there's this other guy who was right next to his boss. And so, what he did is he took a crystal stone and he tilted it towards his boss. And within a couple months, he got his promotion. And it went on and was explaining about how they had studied these ancient. Uh, things from the Orient, and that we can start employing this power for ourselves. That if you have this rock, you can have this crystal, that what you could do is you could depend upon it, and you could trust in it, and it will help you to advance further in life. Do you know this type of teaching is common today? All over the place. Uh, this article was saying, this is what 500 successful businessmen have given their their uh, word on how they got their promotion, how they got things, five hundred successful businessmen, bankers and lawyers and whatnot, who said "I used this crystal, I moved this desk. I faced it this direction. I lined it up so it 's according to the meridian lines, and they 're aligning up all these things, and they 're trusting in these objects to get them ahead in life. You know, it's amazing what people will trust. You know, on the surface of it, when we talk about how people are trusting in these idols to speak to them, to guide them, we almost laugh at it, but then we look and see how much people trust in stuff today. Whether it's superstition, You know, it's amazing how sports stars, a baseball star, they'll have to have the same underwear on if they're on the hot streak. Or they have to have their socks. They have to, I was reading one where every football player had a touch on top of the door frame. They had a certain picture in that. They all had to touch it as they came out in order to make sure that they won. Well, is touching a door frame going to help the Packers? Nothing can help the Packers. You understand, people trust these things. Some people are taught before you take a test. What you have to do is you have to hold this rock in your hand. And you hold it and you gather the power of the rock. And it will give you the confidence you need. Well is petting a rock going to help someone do better in a test? And what's happening is people even today are trusting on God's That cannot answer. Instead of turning to the God of the Bible. They are trusting and putting their confidence in something else. And let me tell you it's more widespread than what you would think. They're not calling them gods and they're not offering sacrifices to them. But that's not the requirement of a God. The requirement of a little g God is for you to be devoted to them. For you to serve them. For you to trust on them. For you to put your hopes and dreams upon that object. And people are trusting in things. Stones and wood that cannot answer. Of course, this is a lot of New Age stuff. I'm familiar with some of it. In Phoenix, Arizona, we have the largest New Age store in all the world. New Age is... A big deal out there. Out in Arizona. We lived in Phoenix. And north of us is Sedona. And Sedona is the place where all the movie stars and all the rich people go. Because supposedly this is a place where the earth emits a certain vibe. And that they could get certain power and certain relaxation. And they go out there to feel the vibes. And it's a big tourist thing. Where all the rich people, all the elite people go out to get re It's a certain place in the universe where they come and they get it. And they're trusting in the rocks to give them what they need. They're trusting in something other than God. They're trusting in their gods to give them the help. They're trusting in their superstitions. They're trusting in this. Where is God? If you don't mind, may I show you some things about what God had said? We're turning back to the book of Habakkuk in a second. But notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Isaiah chapter 47. Isaiah chapter 47. And let's see what God says concerning these idols and the worship of these idols. Isaiah chapter 47. Isaiah 47, and notice with me starting at verse number 10. Isaiah 47 verse 10. Uh, verse 11. Isaiah 47, verse 11. Therefore shall evil come upon thee, thou shalt not know from whence it riseth. And mischief shall fall upon thee, thou shalt not be able to put it off. And desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. Stand now with thine enchantments and with the multitude of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth. If it be Thou shalt be able to profit if thou shalt be able to prevail. Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly procrastinators stand up and save thee from the things that shall come upon thee. Here God is saying, All right, you want to trust in your idols? You just watch when these things happen in your life that you can't do anything about. That is beyond your control. I want you to go to your little rocks and see if they save you. I want you to go to your astrologers and let them deliver you from this. See if your idols work. You go ahead and when these hard times come, see if they will deliver you. It's amazing this idea of astrology, the idea of telling your future from the stars. Most of you are familiar with who John Lennon is, or at least if you were born within the last century. John Lennon, of course, was one of the uh, main people of the Beatles. And then when he broke up, he was singing by himself. But he would try every different type of religion. He tried on Christianity for a while and Kind of let it aside. But he got to a place in his life where he was studying astrology. And he would let astrology dictate what he was going to do that day. And so if his horoscope told him that he was going to have a bad day to stay at home. He would stay at home. He would let the stars, the astrologists, tell him what he was supposed to do that day. By the way, the Bible is very specific about astrology. That it is evil. It is wicked. And let me tell you, as God is putting judgment here, he said, it will not deliver you. You go ahead and come up with the bad C word, cancer, and see if your stones will deliver you. You come to something that's beyond your control. What are you trusting in during those days? God says, all right, no, you, you you said that your gods are more important than me. You let them deliver you when those things happen. You stand with your enchantments. You stand with those beliefs. You stand with that wood and rocks that don't speak. And see how it goes for you. What are you trusting in? Are you going to be consistent in trusting in that when bad things happen? Notice if you don't mind in Psalm 115 as God continues with this commentary dealing with idolatry. Notice with me in Psalm 115. <coughs> Psalm 115. Notice with me in verse 1. Psalm 115, and notice with me starting at verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory and for thy mercy and for thy true sake. Wherefore should the heathen say... Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. And he done whatsoever he pleaseth. Their idols are silver and gold. The work of man's hands. They have mouths. But they speak not. Eyes have they. But they see not. They have ears. But they hear not. Noses have they. But they smell not. They have hands. But they handle not. Feet have they. But they walk not, neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them, so every one that trusteth in them. Here God has given the commentary that he's comparing who we're trusting in. We're trusting in a real God. We're trusting in the God of the heavens. We're trusting the God who created everything. That's who we trust, but the heathen. They're trusting in something else. They're trusting in something that can't answer. They're trusting in something that can't respond to them. And in verse number 8, it explains why it's not going to work. It says, they that make them are like unto them. So everyone that trusteth in them. So here is the idea here. All men are not perfect. We can understand that, right? There's none righteous, no, not one. So can... A imperfect, flawed, horrible person. And by the way, we're all horrible people. We're all sinners. You say, I'm not horrible. Then guess what? Let's record every thought you have for a week and then read it out loud in church. We're all horrible people. No one wants to volunteer for that. So a wicked, horrible, nasty, imperfect sinner is going to make a god. Can we make that God perfect? No. You know what? We're going to end up making something like us that's horrible, imperfect, messed up. And we can't trust in something that we make because it's flawed. It's messed up. It's not going to be delivered even if it was alive. You can make a Frankenstein monster if you want and put it all together and it's not going to help you because you're imperfect and you cannot make something that is perfect. But we come to the question, why do people go to these idols? Why do they worship something that can't answer them? Well, the answer is in verse number two. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? Here's this question, where is their God? Now it's talking about us. You know what the world is looking at? You say you're Christians. You say they're believers. Where is your God? That's a good question. You know what we have in America? A weak, anemic, pathetic Christianity. We have people who do not trust God. They say, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, how I love Jesus. But when hard times happen... Whoa, what am I going to do? The world's going to end. Why? We're not trusting in God. What's happened is because Christians don't trust God, there's a vacuum that has happened, and people are putting anything in there because they want to trust in something. Every person will serve something. Every person will give their life to something. They'll either give it to God or they'll give it to something else. It could be work. It could be to entertainment. It could be to addictions. You are going to give your life to something. Every one of us. Are you giving your life to God? And so if you don't mind, let's take a test. You said, I didn't plan to take a test. The kids at school are saying, wait a second. Tests aren't supposed to be on Sundays. Well, let's take a test. And what we're going to do is we're going to do several tests to see what is your God? What are you trusting in? And we could tell what you are trusting in by putting it to the test. So if you don't mind, let's take some tests to see what you are trusting in. The first test is the test of Devotion. The test of devotion. Are we calling on gods that cannot answer? Well, let's take the test of devotion. Can you define what you are working for? Why, why, what are you putting your energy into? Why are you putting your energy? Someone will say, well, I'm working to make money. We'll go beyond that. Why? Why are you making money? If you stop there and money is your God. I'm working to make money because I want money. Well then money is your God. If you say that I go to work in order to have money to give to the Lord. Well now we're starting to see what you're going for. Why am I I working? Well I'm working to earn money. Why? I'm using that money to fund the Lord's work. I'm using it so that way I can be a good testimony. I'm using it so that way I could help more people know about Christ. You understand what we're seeing here is the idea of devotion. Some people, I'm living my life to get the highest score on this video game. That is my life's goal. That's what I'm working for. We see what you're doing is you're putting your devotion. What is your devotion to? What are you working for? What is the goal of your life? What is it that you're going for? The test of devotion. Is God your goal or is something else? As you can see, this test really starts examining things. What is your devotion? Why do you, what are you putting your energy towards and why? Well, let's do another test. Let's do the test of delight. The test of delight. What pleases you? You know, the only way some people are happy is to be involved in things of this world. You know what makes me happy? Television makes me happy. As long as I have the television on, I'm happy. You know, there are people like that out there. There are many people who are addicted to television. (laughs) <laughs> you know what makes me happy? YouTube. The older people, let me tell you something, the newest addiction is YouTube. And if you want to see someone lose brain cells very quickly, YouTube. I watch some of that junk and go, What in the world? W- w- why? How in the world are these dumb people getting millions of people to watch them do dumb stuff? Why? What? I don't understand. Maybe I'm just old and that's what the older... But you understand there are some people that... What makes me happy? YouTube! I got to watch YouTube. Facebook, social media, movies. You know what makes me happy? My garden makes me happy. And I put my whole life in my garden. And if a hailstorm ever came, I'm so unhappy. My whole life is ruined. What are you delighting in? What delights you? You know, if your delight is in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, you have an idol. Jesus should be the God of our delight. My delight comes from Him. My delight comes from pleasing Him. My delight, I am happy when I am serving the Lord. I am happy when I'm being obedient to Him. Where is your delight at? What we're seeing is an idol test here. Where is your idol? Where is, what are you putting your trust, your hope, your faith in? We've already seen the test of devotion. What are you working for and why? What's your motive for doing it? We've seen the delight test. What makes you happy? Do You know there's a lot of people who are not happy in church. How do you know? Because I'm up here watching you. I keep threatening I'm gonna get a camera one day that's gonna face the camera or face y'all, and I'm gonna put you up here, or I'm gonna put you on the now nah, probably not stream, but I'm gonna put you up here and let you see what your faces look like. Yeah, you're delighting in the Lord. Well, you're delighting in the Lord. I remember having a lady once, she would sit down in the service. Bless me if you can. I'm like, why are you here? I mean, this is a voluntary thing. You don't have to be here. If you don't want to, why? I almost feel like asking people that. If you're not happy being in God's house, why are you here? There are some people, I'm here because I have to. Well, preacher, I, I showed up, mark me on attendance. <sighs> Do you want to be here? Do you look forward to singing praises to God? Do you look forward to hearing God's word? Are you expecting God to preach to you? You know, that's what we're preaching on tonight, by the way. If you could be here tonight's service, we're going to see them as they hear God's voice. God speaks to the people themselves and what they did in order to prepare themselves to meet their God. But do you understand? I can tell some of you don't delight in the Lord. Because you're consistently like, oh, why am I here? And I'm asking the same question. Why are you here? But what do you delight in? Are you here because you want to? Or because you have to be? Well, I'm here because I want to. Not because I'm just the preacher. I want to be here. I hope you want to be here too. I hope that you want to read your Bible I get to read my Bible and said, I have to read my Bible. What do you delight in? What is it that you pleases you? Again, by some of the countenance, some of you don't delight in the Lord. You talk about fishing and you're, woohoo! Yeah, you're excited about it. Some people are the packers. Yeah! Talk about church. Oh. Talk about the Bible. Oh. What? We're seeing what your God is, what your idol is. You say, this isn't a fun test. Yeah, but we got more. So we had the test of devotion, the test of delight. Then we see the test of dependence, the test of dependence. What do you depend on? What do you trust in? When things go wrong, what is it that you run to? Well, our dependence should be on the Lord. How do you know that you're depending on the Lord? What is the first thing you do when something goes wrong? What's the first place you go to? When things are out of your control, what are you trusting in to get you through? God will get you through. He'll never let you down. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's always available. Are you such an accustomed time of prayer that the first thought you go into when you don't have time to think is the Lord? May I give an example? And again, forgive the personal illustration, but I remember making a visit in Tennessee and visiting a family. And (coughs) Tennessee is fun because some of the instructions say, all right, go off the paved road and head up. the." So I'm heading in this road that's made out of rocks. And if you've ever driven in there, you can't drive on rocks like you drive on the highway. It's a different type and I wasn't speeding that time, and I was uh, doing normal uh, speed, very cautious speed, and there was a corner. And so I turned the van um, going around the corner, and it hit it just right, and the van started spinning. And without me thinking about it, I just began to pray, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. And when it's done, I'm like, you know, the first thing I did was pray. Before I didn't have time to think. What well, was the first time thing you went to? Is the first thing you go to is prayer automatically? Is that the first response that you have when something goes wrong? Well, that's the test of dependence. What are you trusting in? When something is more long-term and things are putting pressure on, what do you go to? Do you go to something else to give you relief? Or do you go to the Lord and say, God, I need you. He careth for you. Cast your cares upon him. Then we come to the test of decision. The test of decision. What do we mean by this? Where do you go to for guidance? Where do you go to for guidance? A Christian should be guided by the word of God and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Some people go to their horoscopes. What am I going to do today? Some people go to the fortune cookies. What does a fortune cookie tell me to do today? What do you go to for guidance? Where do you go to? I heard of one person once that said, Whenever I need to make decisions, I turn on the television, and I flip channels randomly, and I stop and listen to the next statement. I actually heard someone say that. What happens if you land in the shopping network? (laughs) Is that how you get your decisions? Is that what you do is just put your hand up in the air and wait for the next sign? Who do you depend upon? We understand there's a thing of wise counsel, but some people put their ultimate dependence on a person. And again, we appreciate wise counsel, but your dependence shouldn't be on a person down here on earth, it should be on that person up there. Who are you trusting on? Who do you depend upon? Who do you use for your decision-making? Do you trust God? If I'm talking to a person, I'm trusting that God can use them to help give me wisdom. I'm not trusting that person, I'm trusting in the Lord. Who are you trusting in? The test of decision. So what we're seeing here is we're trying to scrape back and show the reality of it. You know lots of people have idols. It's what they're trusting in. It's what they're lighting on. It's where they get their decisions. But there's one other test we want to put you to. The test of destiny. The test of destiny. What does this mean? What are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? Why? Well, I'm looking forward to the Packers winning a another trophy well you may be waiting for a while what are you trusting in what are you looking forward to what is the goal of your life well what we should be looking forward to is being with him up in heaven being with him for him to come back one day jesus christ is coming back for us that's our blessed hope are you looking forward to the coming of jesus christ you're looking forward to seeing what he's going to do if you are living for and forward to anything short of that, you've made an idol of those things. Why well, I'm looking forward to my kids growing up and having grandbabies. That's the whole hope of my life, is I want my kids to be successful. And you should want your kids to be successful, but that shouldn't be the basis of your entire life. What are you looking forward to? What is your destiny? You see, we're either worshiping Jesus Christ or we're calling on gods that cannot answer. Idolatry is rampant even in, among Christians. You may be saved. You know Jesus Christ is your personal savior. But you live like God's not real. He's real on Sunday. I show up and I sing songs. But what about tomorrow when your tire gets flat? Is God still God? Or do you forget all about Him? Is God erased from your mind on Tuesday that you had so many other things going on and God doesn't even enter your thoughts? Is God real? And if He's real, do you serve Him and serve Him alone? You understand the God that you have tells you what to do and you obey it. What is the God that you serve? If your God calls to you, Do you answer? For example, I know some people that video games, they call to them, come here, come here, and they have to obey the call. They serve. What is it that as soon as your master calls, you obey? Well, then that's your God. And this is why God is going to destroy the Babylonian nation. Because they're serving God's who cannot answer. Look with me one final time the book of Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter number 2. And notice with me, starting at verse 18. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 18. What profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it, the molten image and a teacher of lies, that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb Idols. The word "dumb" doesn't mean stupid, but it means the idea that they can't speak. Verse number nineteen. Woe unto him! So cursed! Judgment is falling upon you that saith to the wood, arise, awake; to the dumb stone, arise! It shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there's no breath at all in the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. What is your God? It's either the Lord Jesus Christ or something else. How do I know? Well, we've given you several tests. Do you delight in the Lord? Do you depend upon the Lord? Is your devotion towards the Lord? Is he who you use to help make your decisions? Is he your goal? Is he what you're looking forward to? Is he your